You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I am digging back into the mailbox again because somebody went for a walk, and boy, were they uh, aggravated. Not from listening to my podcast, but because there was something going on in her hips while she was doing so. So she follows up and sends me this message. Hi, Rick. I don't hear much about the piriformis other than when it's causing issues. What are its primary functions, the piriformis? And other than weak glutes, why does it take over, especially when I walk a lot? All right, Doa, I've got... um, I've got some answers for you, and I think this is going to be a real um, overview of the question because one of the things that we can't really do is spend time talking about pain, and I know it can be aggravating. It feels like it takes over, um, and it might be the piriformis. It might not be. It could be one of uh, several muscles in the posterior hip. But there are still some things that we could do, whether it's the piriformis or the go-go queens. And we'll talk about the go-go queens in a moment, but let's talk about the piriformis. This is from an article entitled Anatomy, Bony Pelvis and Lower Limbs, the Piriformis Muscle by Chang, Jenna, and Vera Kahlo. And this is just a quote from it. The piriformis muscle is an external or lateral rotator of the hip along with the superior and inferior gemellus quadratus femoris, and obturator internus and externus. Those are the go-go queens. Obturator, internus and externus, gemellus, and that's superior and inferior. So gemellus, gemellus, uh, obturator, obturator, go-go. And then the go-go queens, the quadratus femoris or quadratus femoris, the piriformis and the go-go queens. That sounds like an excellent band and they like to make great music together. But man, when one of them gets out of tune, the other ones can too. Let's get back to the quote. The piriformis muscle rotates the femur during hip extension. So it does that lateral rotation of the femur while going into hip extension and abducts the femur during hip flexion. The abduction of the femur is critical during walking as it shifts the body weight to the opposite side, preventing one from falling. Okay, so what we're looking at here is a muscle that tends to activate a lot whilst walking. And the reason it does that is because it abducts the hip or it maintains a neutral position instead of when we take that step. If I step on my left leg, the right side of my hip would normally drop down, but I need muscles in the hip to keep it neutral. And so the piriformis is one of those muscles that helps to abduct the femur uh, as we flex the hip and as we go through our gait cycle. Well, let's talk about what this could also mean. We've got other muscles that contribute to that. So I've got um, my contralateral QL that can contribute to that. So it helps to keep my pelvis up. But at that same pelvis on the same side as my my piriformis that's trying to keep my, my hip from dropping, so does my glute medius. In fact, my glute medius is a primary muscle that helps to maintain neutral hip position as I go through my gait and stand on one leg. 
So one of the issues is that that, that can become primarily an issue as we start to see weakness in the gluteus medius, then things like the, the piriformis take over and try to abduct. Well, the other thing is an external or lateral rotation that takes place during hip extension. Well, my glute max does hip extension and it can also do lateral rotation. And so if they're minimal, and especially during walking, the glutes aren't particularly active. The hamstrings are. The hamstrings like to contribute to that, but not the glutes so much. And so uh, I can get a, a tension because the, the piriformis and the other muscles, the go-go queens, the gamelli muscles and the obturator and the quadratus femoris, all in the posterior hip are like the rotator cuff of the posterior hip. And if there's some instability there, then it's possible that one or several of them can start to overactivate, can really start to lock down the hip. And by doing that, then that can lead to uh, a nerve, the sciatic nerve that runs underneath the piriformis to, to get compressed. And that gets a little nervy down the leg. That's piriformis syndrome. But the piriformis itself, feeling that there's something deep in the hip that's overworking, that there's something too much and it's firing in the hip, then you could do a few things. I, I think the one of the first things that you do is you kind of identify where that area is. And, and if we're looking at the gamella, superior, inferior, the obturator, internus and externus, and the quadratus femoris, along with the piriformis, which is higher, it's more superior than those muscles, and it is not as deep as those muscles. So that makes sense. That's kind of the first muscle that I would go to as well. And I would say what to do if walking aggravates the piriformis. Well, one is I might do a little um, mobility work. So some hip mobility to see what my range of motion is. So I check my internal and external range of motion. And sometimes you're going to get limitations in range of motion. So I work on some mobility there. You can do decompression uh, of the spine, some inferior decompression. You can do some posterior mobilization. And this might be little things like um, um, getting into a quadruped position, right? And so I'm on my hands and my knees. And then the knee that's bothering me, I'm going to leave on the ground. The other knee I'm going to pick up. And then I just go into flexion and extension, kind of forward and backwards, rocking and letting that posterior hip um, or letting the, the femur push posteriorly into my hip and see if it's a, it's a posterior uh, issue. One of the ways you could tell is if you bring your knee up into flexion, it gets a little pinchy on the front, then you might want to create a little posterior mobilization. Now, if the mobilization, you're not sure what to do and how to do it, then you might just want to go right into the NASM corrective exercise continuum where you say, all right, this part bothers me, this, this piriformis area, let me at least just foam roll that area. So you get on a foam roller and you kind of sit on it on the cheek, on the side that's bugging you, and you just gently roll. You can roll forward and backwards. You can roll side to side. However, uh, when it comes to foam rolling, if it pulses, numbs, tingles, or shoots, you got to get off of it, especially there with a nerve that goes underneath that muscle. So if it pulses, numbs, tingles, or shoots, you're either on a nerve or a significant blood supply and you want to get off of that because it is not neural release like that. It is not blood flow occlusion. We are trying to push, <coughs> excuse me, we're trying to push into the muscle to get the muscle to calm down. 
Now, the muscle calming down is a neurological response. But as we start to do exercises now where I have now, uh, I, I want to inhibit it. And then one of the exercises we'll go into are flexibility exercises where we want to stretch the piriformis. Now, one of the ways you stretch the piriformis seems like the exact opposite of how it would stretch. My piriformis is, uh, uh, it's an abductor and it's an external rotator. So one of the things you're going to do is you're going to uh, flex your hip and you're going to do kind of like a cross body stretch, like a figure four stretch. Some people lie flat on their back. I might stretch my left piriformis. I might put my foot on a wall. So I'm lying back. My foot is on the wall and my hip is bent to 90 degrees. My knee is bent to 90 degrees. That's my right foot is on the wall. Then I take my left leg and I make a figure four, just like a lot of people sit and they cross one leg over the other. Um, but I'm not going to be in a posterior tilt. If I do that sitting in my chair and I pick a leg up, then my I go into a posterior tilt. My low back is going to round. Um, in this position, you don't want to do that. You want to keep a neutral position. You can even arch your back a little bit to get into it. And what happens is that the piriformis, where it attaches to the greater trochanter of the femur, when you bring your hip up into flexion, suddenly it can now stretch. Once you pass about that 90 degree of flexion, what it, de what it did before, which is abduct and externally rotate, it now does the opposite. So when you bring it to 90 degrees and you abduct and externally rotate, you are now stretching it in that position. I wish I had a... Uh, I wish that you could see this. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can. But um, uh, if I had a uh, a skeleton, I can kind of show you that uh, where it attaches from the, the anterior sacrum and it goes laterally and it's almost completely laterally. It's got a slight oblique angle, so it can very slightly do hip extension. But as it goes into that slight oblique angle, it's pretty much a lateral rotator. It can, you bring your leg up, it can horizontally abduct. Uh, it can abduct in the frontal plane, and certainly it can limit uh, adduction. So when this muscle engages in this way, if I take the femur, which is shaped um, it's got straight up and down, and then it kind of shifts out to the side, the neck of the femur, and then the ball of that. So as it attaches to the greater trochanter, when I bring it up, the greater trochanter then shifts, and it forces a greater stretch into what normally would have been a shortening position. So it's it's like a, it's in the piriformis paradox, where you change positions, and now it does the opposite joint action. Well, that's how you're going to stretch the piriformis. So inhibit the piriformis and the go-go queens, right? If you can find them, get deep enough, you can get those muscles. Um, and then you're gonna stretch those muscles. And then you're gonna activate your glute max and your uh, glute medius. And then I even suggest doing some activations for your adductors. And I'm not opposed to some other things. So medial hamstrings, I think, are a lot of times an issue. And the medial hamstrings are almost the opposite of what the piriformis does in its joint action. So medial hamstrings, adductor activation. So glute max. And the reason I think you should, you got to do the, your inhibitory techniques and your stretching techniques first is that if you don't, then those muscles that are a little overactive might try to do the work. And it's not wrong if they do it. In fact, they'll probably engage after you do the releases on there or at the stretches and the foam rolling. 
what you really want to do then is that once you kind of take the piriformis out of the picture from being a big contributor to those joint actions, then the glute max can work better. The glute medius can work better. Um, the adductors, things like Copenhagen planks, I think are really great or adductor planks are really great for stabilizing adductor activity. And then medial hamstring exercises, which will adduct and internally rotates the opposite of what the piriformis does. And so that can actually create a co-contraction where it helps to better stabilize maybe a joint that is, um, that is hypermobile. And so some of the issues is that it's overactive, it's short, it's tight because of instability at a joint. And sometimes it's a real already unstable and the mobilizations are vitally important to it in order to get the piriformis to back down, to get range of motion at the joint, and then go through your corrective exercise process, some inhibiting, some stretching, the activations, and then the integration is going for a walk now. Going for a walk and seeing now, once you put these things together, if the piriformis keeps jumping in and keeps trying to take over the exercise. If it does, and you're into, um, you're putting together these corrective exercise routines and it just keeps aggravating, I say refer those individuals out. Piriformis is acting up, it's aggravating. Go do a session or two. Like, I don't even think you need that many sessions with the physical therapist that. Uh, they'll be able to really go a deep dive into what's going on and then to help that individual so that they can feel and function and move better again and get started back with you. And they can do that without worrying about this ache, this pain in the butt. So thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. And if you've got questions for me, you can reach out to me. Hit me up at Ritchie on Instagram, or you can email me rick.richie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.